This is Robert, and welcome to The Outfall, where we share the backstories about our water world. On this podcast, we talk about the nuts and bolts of water, wastewater, infrastructure. But you know, sometimes in looking so closely at what we do, we can miss the beauty and the power that water has. We were fortunate enough to talk to artists. Mary Edna Fraser, an internationally renowned artist. She's done some of the largest boutique works to date by one artist. Also, we were able to talk with her good friend, Marjorie Wentworth, a New York Times bestselling author and a former South Carolina Poet Laureate. It was refreshing and inspirational to hear their artistic takes on the wonderful and beautiful resource central for every one of our lives. Enjoy. I guess that what happened was I grew up flying like people grow up in boats on the coast. So I was always looking out of our 1946 air coupe that was granddaddy's as a child and flew all over the place. And then I ended up flying the entire east coast of America photographing what I saw was terribly disturbing in Florida. The whole east coast of Florida was developed beyond recognition of barrier islands as they are truly meant to be. And it wasn't until you got to Georgia that you saw a natural barrier island. And South Carolina has some, North Carolina, Virginia has some. And then when you get up into New Jersey, you start having development that tries to halt the process of their movement which makes them look bizarre. When I was looking out of the airplane, I began to notice that barrier islands were as individual as snowflakes. Mary has channeled this perspective into her art. You know, the more we learned about her batik art form, the more we were intrigued. This art uses a technique of hand drying fabrics by using wax as a dye repellent to cover parts of the design. It began before the Middle Ages, and it's a resist dyeing method. You use hot wax, which is a mixture of beeswax and paraffin, to cover areas where you don't want the dye to enter. So you can paint a lake of maybe seven colors on a piece of silk and then block out anything you want to remain and stay and then put another lake of colors and block that out. And it's a wax dye, wax dye process. You can get four layers before the wax begins to disintegrate. Mary's art is bold, vibrant, visceral. Take a look in our show notes for a link to her gallery. You know, her art invites us to take a look at the water landscape that connects us in a new way. What I love the most about her work is even when she's working from an exact, you know, an aerial photograph and geological abstracts and, you know, she she, she's all the facts, you know, there's this sense in terms of her palette, I guess, the choice of color and shape 
the, the heartbeat of that place, the, the, the life essence of a place is somehow expressed in her work in a way that you don't even necessarily need to know exactly what that landscape is or where it is, but you feel that. And, you know, that's what that's what elevates it is art. And I'm thinking, of course, of her conventional, I don't even like to use that word, but the boutique she's known for, you know, the aerial views and the waterways. And But she does cityscapes and she does monotype prints. And, you know, she's quite versatile as an artist, but always uh, you feel like it's the pulp of a place. This pulse resonates often where the land meets the water. It's magical, according to Mary. You know, where land meets water is a magical meeting. It always has been. And if nature is allowed to carve her own visual image without being stopped, it is usually just breathtakingly beautiful. For Marjorie, the ocean became one of her touchstones. Uh, but I've always kind of been lived near the sea. And so that's always been a source of inspiration in terms of my work. I wouldn't say I'm writing about the ocean, but lots of metaphors come from all the images and the landscape that we associate with the ocean. One of the things I've thought a lot about is the way the sea, um, there's something really soothing that when we look at the sea and look at the horizon and, and this feeling of it goes forever, and yet it's not a frightening thing in an odd way, it's a comforting thing. This, you know, people are like lemmings. I mean, <laughs> you know, why do people always go back to the sea? We all live near the sea. I guess we sort of came from there originally. So there is this feeling of peace that you get when you're near the ocean. Marjorie is the perfect ambassador for communicating the power of poetry. Just listen. I think we hear poems at weddings and funerals, right? It's a pretty common thing. And the reason is that we crave language and, you know, an articulation of these intense feelings on either end of the spectrum, right? Whether it's a wedding or a funeral. You know, poetry is sort of a container for intense emotions and feelings that we want to articulate, but we don't have the words, you know? So we turn to poetry for that. We also turn to poetry for things that are incomprehensible. It's really been interesting during the COVID this, this whole year. Poetry has been a way for people to communicate and lots of people have been, been even writing poetry that wouldn't do that before. And it, it reminds me a lot of uh, after 9-11, in, in, you know, both in D.C. and Washington and really all over the country, people were sending poems back and forth. People were doing, you know, famous actors and stuff were showing up and doing poetry readings for fundraisers and things. And people were pinning poems on memorials. And, you know, it, 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 it's something that we really turn to in times of trouble because we're trying to find this language to explain this in, inexplicable things. So I think that's the power of poetry. Not every day we get to talk to a poet laureate, so we asked Marjorie to read a poem that used a metaphor with water. She agreed. So here's one that that is a love poem that really uses the metaphor of a river. If a river sort of pulls through time and all the places I've I've lived with my husband, because we're from New England originally. So this is a poem called River Song. 
Our house is a river flowing by gardens of fruit and lavender butterfly bushes, magnolia and fig trees tangled in vines that swirl beneath moonlight and starshine. Mountain-born, granite-fed river of feathers and glass where light gathers each morning and evening as birdsong braids the air into one green song humming like a heartbeat. Past astonished, snow-swept islands and the city rising at the edge of the sea, the river rushes in a fury under the great steel buildings glowing like ripe volcanoes in the blue-black night. City of music and light crisscrossed with train tracks and avenues bearing multitudes. City of smoke, city of dreams collecting like seeds and scattered on water. Our house is a river where books have gathered in great piles along the banks before the flood and after, dog-leafed, molded and torn, tear-stained and treasured. We crossed a bridge and returned, wounded and singing, carrying butterflies and lightning in our pockets, children strapped to our backs, water rushing beneath us like an unwritten story. And of course, the middle, you know, we, we moved here from Brooklyn um, and, you know, lived in New York City for 10 years. I, I wrote there for my husband for his anniversary one you know, that year when we were really broke. I'm like, oh, here's a poem, honey. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's times when when stuff is bad and I'll say to my husband, uh, our house was pretty much destroyed. We lost everything we owned. We didn't have anywhere to, we kept moving for a year. We lost our jobs. I mean, all of this happened the year of Hugo. And, and then we had what's called a Hugo baby, which is, oh, you're having a baby. And like, we're okay. Like we, we got through that, you know, like we're going to get through whatever this thing is. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You know, we've learned a lot from talking with folks like Ron Rash in season one or Russell Mewitz, you know, the manhole cover artist in season two. Artists and writers have this magical gift. Sometimes we don't have. And that is to see our environment in a whole new way. Thank you again for Mary and Marjorie for taking time to talk with us and share their gifts with us. We can't wait to see you next time.